Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finances and where we furnish you with information so that you can make the best financial decisions possible. So if you want to be better with money, you want to purchase your first home, you want to learn about investing, where to begin, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further delay, let's get into this week's show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Conversation of Money podcast. I hope you guys are well. Uh, it seems that we're emerging out of lockdown now and uh, there seems to be a little bit more activity going on. Um, so in fashion uh, of this podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit more about investment in this week's show. And I'm actually joined by a friend and or colleague of mine. Um, he is an investment manager, well, a former investment manager, but he's now a financial planner. So he's got expertise in my field and as a proper investment manager, managing money for wealthy clients. And I say money, I'm talking millions and millions. I'm going to ask him the number in a moment, but we're going to talk specifically about investing in stocks or shares directly. So you're on Trading212, Free Trade, Robinhood, or whoever it is that you're using, and you're buying shares directly into companies like Tesla, Amazon, because you know what? Those are the companies that are sexy and attractive right now. So his name is Terry Michael. Welcome, Terry. I'm really, really glad that you're here. Yes. Thank you, Peter. Yes. I'm uh, very happy to be here. And uh, it's good to it's good to be uh, talking to you once more and uh, about some interesting topics. And I hope uh, today's topic, uh, the listeners will find very interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that they will, because certainly on social media, if I look at my Instagram and even YouTube comments, there's a lot of people wanting to buy direct stock. So buying Amazon, buying Facebook, buying Microsoft, buying Tesla, all of these businesses. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just like, you need to know some stuff first. Like, just don't go and plow a load of money in. Like, you need to do your research. You need to understand. And I guess that's where your expertise come in because you've done this professionally for what? How long were you investment manager for? I think nine to 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So just about a decade's worth of understanding in terms of picking stocks, managing portfolios for very wealthy clients. Yes. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. So this is the question for you, because I know that everybody on this call will be interested. And I think it maybe I won't say give you gives you clout because you've already got clout as it is, you know, your stuff, but how much of a portfolio were you managing as an investment manager? Uh, well, at one point I was part of three teams, uh, and we were, you know, we were making the decisions on asset allocation and stock picking. Uh, and that was around 400 million. Wow. 400 million pounds. Okay. So listen, guys, when I say Terry knows his stuff, he really does know his stuff. So I'm going to be asking him a number of questions in this week's show so that hopefully you guys get an inkling into some of the basic stuff that you need to be looking at if you are really serious about buying direct shares into Tesla and big companies like Amazon, the stuff that you see on social media and hear about all of the time. Now, there is a lot more that goes into this than just what he's going to tell you today, because let's face it, we haven't got two hours or three hours to go through this. We've got a limited period of time so please do take note and just note as well that as always with this podcast do not take this as financial advice this is a perfect springboard for you to do some research of your own so use it as educational purposes take some notes listen back to this 
three or four times and use it as a basis to do some research. But before we jump into the actual questions around that, I want to get a sense of, I want to give you a sense of Terry because he didn't become an investment manager just because it was by design. That's not the case at all. So Terry, your journey into investment management was actually quite a convoluted and weird one. (laughs) Why don't you just give a very high level view of how you actually got into investment management in the first place? Well, thank you, Peter. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right there. It was a weird, weird route into investment management. Um, Okay. Let me explain. So um, a lot of people are surprised to hear that my undergraduate degree at university was in medical science. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first uh, real shocker. Uh, medical science, finance, investment management, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You're quite right. It doesn't make sense. Um, but it, it works. It worked out. So studied medical science. Then I moved to London and worked as a DNA analyst. So that is working um, a lot with the police, police contracts, and wherever there's a crime, they take a DNA from the scene, and then we would test it in the labs and try and get a result. Uh, was the criminal this person? Was it this person? And match up the DNA. So that's mm-hmm. what it was. Um, I soon found that I just didn't think it was an industry that I wanted to be in long term. So that lasted a year, but you know, the question of what do I do next came while, whilst I was a DNA analyst. Living in London, very expensive. Uh, it was a shock to me because, you know, I'm just a, a little Birmingham lad. Um, <laughs> big, um, didn't realise how expensive it would be. Um, and I needed to earn some more money. Um, so I started looking at stocks and shares. Uh And I started to trade, but very small trades. I wasn't risking anything big. Um, And I don't recommend anybody start big when they start investing. You're there to learn. So just little, little by little. And I didn't have a lot of money to risk. So, you know, that was my first thing. How much can I afford to lose? And that's what you should be thinking um, when you're learning these things, learning how to trade. Um, but my, I realized that I had an interest in stocks and shares because my dad well, owned, wasn't in finance, owned a fish and chip shop. That was his, mm-hmm. um, but he would always look at stocks and shares and, and was very interested in them. He didn't trade himself. Um, he got professionals to do that for him. Um, but he was always interested in the news and Bloomberg was on in the background, you know, he always looking at what's happening. Um, and I think it, it rubbed off on me, uh, looking back. Um, but then I, I thought I was trading and I was trading in 2008, which was a very volatile year. Yeah, really. I can imagine. Yeah, that's a uh, crash, crash territory. And now looking back, I mean, you know, trading, that was just stupid. As <laughs> 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 I said, I wasn't risking a lot of money. You know, it was very, I'm talking £10, £20 trades just to see what would happen um, and try and learn from my mistakes. Um, but then I was making some money and, and more importantly, I was enjoying it. So I was reading the papers and I was reading news coming through. Um, and I was learning, I was learning about this financial world just on my own. And I soon started to ask the question, hang on a minute. I'm sure there, there is an industry that I can get to where you could do this for a living. Uh, and lo and behold, yes, there yeah. is. um, 
you know, I was very young, naive, and nobody talks about a financial career when you're at school. Um, you know, it's either doctor, lawyer, engineer, uh, yeah, accountant, engineer, yeah, accountant. Yeah. Um, nobody talks about, oh, there's a financial world out there. Everybody thinks it's like a closed industry for some reason. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Thing. Um, but you can get into these industries. Uh, you just need to ask, ask, ask people that are in them. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I asked a friend of a friend of a friend. <laughs> they put me in touch with these, this person. Um, and he very kindly uh, spent an hour with me, met up at a coffee shop. And I just asked him very simply, I know nothing about this industry. I have some interest in it. Me having been in uh, a scientific background, do I have a chance of getting into this industry? And he very quickly said to me, yes, of course, why not? Um, I remember him saying to me, yeah, it's, it's very easy to get into this industry, uh, actually. I was, really? He said, yeah, well, if you have a degree, um, it doesn't really matter what degree you have. And that was a big shock to me. I thought, yeah. you have to have an economic degree? Said, no, not at all. Um, you need to have a degree. Um, and then we will put you through the extra academic training that you need. Um, so I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. He, he said to me, well, we have somebody who's doing very well, who has a history degree. Mm. Um, you know, um, that question of philosophy, history, what do you do with these degrees afterwards? <laughs> mm-hmm. But you, know, you can explore these things. And um, most industries, I mean, if you want to become a doctor and you have an economics degree, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to work, no. You know, that's an industry. You need to have a medical, medical degree. Fine. Yeah. But there's so many industries out there where we talk about transferable skills. And the guy said to me, who was getting this advice from, he said to me, look, go away, do an exam. Uh, you can do it. It's multiple choice, very easy, like an entry-level exam into the mm-hmm. park. Uh, and I learned a lot through that. Um, and he, he said to me, come back to me when you've done it and, you know, let's see what we can do. Um, and I started work experience at this firm. And... I just kept offering my services through work experience for a very long time. Uh, and lo and behold, after about six months, they offered me a job. Um, and it was just sticking it out and saying, right, well, I have no experience. This firm is offering me the chance to gain experience. Yes, I'm not getting paid, but I'm getting paid with knowledge and experience. Um, and, you know, I was working in the family business in the evenings to to pay my way and it was it was a very interesting exciting six months i was learning this whole new industry so yes i didn't have an economic background no financial background but i asked the right people and they were very willing to to give me a chance and if you offer yourself a work experience most firms will say yes yeah Yeah. you know they will and don't be disheartened if they say no move on to the next firm yeah just ask just ask honestly. Um, there's you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. It's not, not going to fall on your, in your lap. Um, so that was my journey into the financial world, and through that, I worked at that firm for I think seven and a half years, eight years. Uh, loved it, learned so much. They put me through and paid for my masters in wealth management. Um, I became a chartered investment manager, and. You know, that medical science degree really helped me in analyzing stocks and shares um, because in medical science, it's medical research. So you mm-hmm. read journals, you read papers, 
you read research that scientists have put together and you make your opinion you base an opinion on on what you've read and then you carry your research forward so i've read this i agree with this i think we could test this a bit more and then you carry on with your research based on what you've read and it's very similar to stocks and shares in investment management you read people's research you read sources of information and you then collate that and you make an opinion and you base why have you bought this stock well i bought this stock because i read this this and this i didn't agree with that i agreed with this i'm gonna this is my price target that's why i'm buying it so it's a very similar process it's research and then action but you can't take action until you've done the research right and and i think you've you've made some really key points that i want to maybe just highlight a little bit more just for the listeners so when you're explaining your journey you use one word numerous times and that word was learn right Mm -hmm. learn learning it was all about getting knowledge getting experience when you did the six months work experience and six months is a long that's half a year I mean, most people don't stick out a work experience for more than like two months. You did it for six just because you wanted to get the experience. You wanted to get the knowledge. You wanted to learn what it took. For you, what do you think are the biggest things that if you're a first-time investor looking to buy shares in Tesla and all these big companies that you need to do on the research side? Because again, you've made a, a brilliant point in the fact that it's not just about reading a piece of paper and then going off and just doing it you have to understand and interpret that information as well so what would you say is the most important thing for anyone to looking at purchasing stocks directly with you know trading 212 or, or apps like that or hog these lands down yeah um first of all take your time do not rush rushed decisions will uh more often than not the wrong decision don't be fooled about all this. Oh, you've got to take chances. And ooh, it's all Hollywood stuff. You know, it's uh, it's all what you see on Instagram. Yes, do this today or you'll miss out. No, it's, it's not. Rush decisions will more often than not be the wrong decision. You need to read. Reading is so important. You need to read a lot. I remember reading the Financial Times for the first time and thinking, what is this? Mm. I, cannot understand a word of this it's a new language Um, and it really was and it took me about three years of reading it every day not you know not every single article but you know reading having a look at it every day and trying to digest something until I started to think oh yeah I understand that article I understand that one I don't need to look at that one that's fine I'm interested in this one now and that's a process you need to educate yourself and the only way you can do that is just to read and read and then the next question that people will have is probably well what do i read mm-hmm. yeah courses out there and that's part of the journey um you financial times the economist things like that things that are established uh, are often good they're not always right but you know they're, they're more often than not they can be wrong um and that's the interesting thing about markets you know um you have to base your opinion and act on what you're what you've read but you need to read uh, there's a lot of rubbish out there and you need to sift through that rubbish and the only way you can start to develop your understanding what is good and what is bad information 
is by spending the time, spending the months, spending the years reading. Um, so this takes time. Don't rush into, I need to start trading now because I want to be financially free by the time I'm 25. Mm-hmm. Get out of that mindset. It, it's not, you don't have to be financially free by the time you're 25. I mean, that's kind of a ridiculous concept in my eyes. Um, you'll make many mistakes if you r- rush these things. Um, read. I mean, you look at Warren Buffett's, uh, I mean, you know, he's the creme, creme de la creme. He's yeah, the he is, yeah. investment, man, you know, the investors of this world. He doesn't even have a computer in front of him all day. He, he sits <laughs> there. He doesn't even look at the stocks and sh- he doesn't look at the charts. He doesn't um, because he says, I read and I improve my knowledge every day. And every day I get smarter and I, and I become a better investor because I'm digesting this knowledge every day. That's all I'm doing. I'm just reading and reading and reading. And then I base my decisions on what I've read. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with you there. I think my observations from social media are this instant gratification, this, oh my God, markets are down. I need to get in right now. And you said there, don't rush, take your time that will go against or fly against the, well, fly in the face of, well, urgency that many young people feel to actually start to get invested in the market. But that's in itself is a skill set that's really important when you are researching what stock you need to buy or even purchase any stock, not being able, not, not just making a decision on a, on a whim, on an impulse, just like that, just because it feels right. Yeah. Um, don't base your, your, your trades on a gut feeling. And, you know, this is, that's gambling. That, that is gambling. And just because you, you make it, you, just because you're not playing poker or roulette and you're saying I'm buying stocks and shares, don't, let's not hide behind the fact that that's still gambling. If you're just going out on a whim and gut feelings, mm-hmm. you've become a gambler. Now, that is an addiction, uh, and it's not the right path to go down. And in investing, this is why you need to take your time. And patience, patience is, is so important. It's important in life, but it's important in, you know, when you're trading and buying stocks and shares. You have to – this is why you research. This is why you research. What's the reason you're buying a stock? What's the reason you're, you're buying into a stock? Well, if that reason – is you have the reason, then you buy it. Okay, that's step one. Now, when do you sell this stock? Well, you sell it because the reason that you bought it has now disappeared. So there's been the CEO may be fired, or you they've stopped started to lose uh, make losses each year where they were making profits beforehand. So the reason that you bought it was because they were making profits and they had a very good leader CEO. But those two things have gone now. So if those two things are gone, then your reason for buying it has disappeared. So why are you owning it? Why do you own it? That's when you sell. But trading each day, what are you basing what are you basing your trades on? What information has come out that you're, you're trading each day? Um, the most money you're going to make is if you buy a stock for the right reasons and you let that stock take its course and realize its value. Uh, over a, a long period of time now and that might hurt the listeners here because i know a lot of listeners want to make money fast make money quickly and 
that whole idea of long term just kills them to hear mm-hmm. it. Um, and they say, no, 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 I've seen this. There's better ways. Uh, this person can trade and he makes money like this. I mean, a lot of it's false. It's false advertising. Um, so, you know, I think patience is a big one. You have to be very patient and remember why you bought a stock. Because if you remember why you bought a stock, you will know when to sell a stock. Can we just drill down a little bit deeper into that, though? Because I think what you're saying to me makes complete and utter sense. But I just really want to make sure that we get this across so that listeners really grasp what we're talking about here. You talked about the reasons why you're buying or selling a stock because it isn't just about buying. It's also knowing when to get out. Mm. You've mentioned in there because they've got good profits. That's one thing because they've got a good leader. That's one thing. What else is there that needs to be considered as fundamental research when you're looking at a company to potentially buy? Yeah. um, Well, let's take a step back. So looking at sectors. So what do I mean by that? So you have pharmaceutical sectors, you have the um, the oil and exploration sector, um, entertainment sector, so like your cinemas and your, your Netflix and things like that. Um, look at the sectors because sectors change. So recently we've had a massive fall in the oil price uh, for various reasons, the main one being that Russia and Saudi Arabia aren't getting along. Getting along, yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> They're trying to drive the price of oil down to hurt each other's economic nations. Um, so it's very political. But so the oil sector has taken a massive hit. So anything to do with oil has been harmed recently. Anything to any company that's earning money uh, using oil um, has been harmed. So you take that bit of news that's out there and you look at the sector. Well, I don't want to invest in that sector. So first of all, you look at the sectors. Which sectors do you think are doing well? Which ones are the future sectors? Technology has done very well recently Mm -hmm. because... I think we're, we're during lockdown, we've realized that we, we have technology, but we haven't been using it to its full potential. Mm-hmm. And we're realizing that we're going to base our futures more and more on technology. So that's a sector that people have invested into recently and has done very well. Um, so you look at sectors first. Uh, then you look at the company themselves. Are they making profits year on year? Are they, uh, are they a new company? Uh, that you don't really know much about. And the only reason you're thinking of investing it into is because people are saying this is the next big thing. Well, they're not proven. They're very new. They're not proven. Do you really want to risk your money? Mm-hmm. And that's going back to gambling. You're taking a chance. So it's okay to miss the first three years of profits. If they're re- a really good company, then you can invest in year four, year five, and you will still make money. I love what you just said there. It's okay to miss the first one to three years of profits <laughs> because a lot of people were like, what, what do you mean? It's okay to miss the first one to three years of profits, but it's a good point. If it's a new business, why would you go in at the ground floor knowing that actually you've got to take a huge gamble because they might not even survive because there's so much competition out there. If they make it through the third year, start of their fourth year, They've got more chance of success. So you're kind of balancing the, the wills of fate in your favor because they've come through the toughest period of a, of a business cycle, which is the, the startup phase. So they get through that, they, they've got a pretty good chance. So that's a really profound. I like that. Yeah, yeah, no, um, but it's so true. You know, people think, oh, I've missed the boat on this one. There's always opportunities. Why do you think we still have a stock market? Why do you think we have companies that have survived generations? Coca-Cola. 
you know, Disney. It's mm. These companies that are, what, you missed the boat because you didn't invest on the very first day they opened? Well, that's, no, they're still making profits. They're still here. And you will, you will make profits if you invest in these companies that will be around forever. You know, we say forever, but for a very long time. Um, that's what you're trying to look for. So how, why are they here for such a long time? Because their balance sheet. So they, they, they look at their profits and they look at how much they're spending each year, just like you do with your bank account. If you're spending more than you're earning, then you will be in trouble. Same with a company. Same with a company. If they're spending more than they're earning each year, then why are you investing in them? There will be trouble at some point. Um, are they paying a dividend? It's not always the be all and end all, but if they've managed to pay a dividend for the last 10 years and they've kept it at a very healthy level, then it means their balance sheet is good. You know, they've proven that they've got extra money on their balance sheet that they can pay out to investors, which means they're doing well, they're surviving. And that's what you've got to be looking for. Companies that are healthy, not companies that are promising that they will do this and deliver this. Invest in companies that are already doing this. Mm. They will be doing it in the future. Do they have a good CEO? You know, we touched on that earlier. I mean, that's so important. Is the leader good? You know, things to look out for. Um, uh, are they... Uh, are they making right decisions? Are they taking the company into, into the right direction? Um, that's another thing to look at. Um, but you are looking for these companies that are going to survive and be there for the long term. Uh, yeah, please. It's interesting that you talk about leaders there because leaders can be, leaders are very, very important. But I think this is what I say to people all the time. I say, look, there are certain things that are completely outside of your control. And I use Elon Musk as a as a prime example. Yeah. I mean, if he if he doesn't go on a show and smoke a spliff, or he doesn't tweet, he's doing something that harms the share price and the business. And that's those are all things that well, look, you can't control it. So you've got to be okay with the fact of look, the share price is going to go up and down. But, but to your point, if you're buying it for the right reason, none of that matters because you believe in what the company is either selling, doing, trying to change, salute the, the problem they're trying to solve. You believe in the journey and the projection and what the company is going to achieve going forward when you, when you commit your money towards it. So those things are important, but the fundamentals are still the fundamentals. Yeah. No, yeah, you're quite right. So this is it. And this is where you get so much noise in the media and the news. And that's, you know, what I call what I would call rubbish, you know, what we talked about earlier when you read mm. rubbish, uh, it's papers are got to print something every day. So, you know, is it going to be true? Well, it's for you to judge, but it can't all be true. That's in my opinion. So, you know, you read something one day and then you read something the next day, it's something completely different. So you've got to try and filter out that noise and go back to your fundamentals. Is this still true of, a, of the company? Is it going in the direction that I, that I thought it was going um, if it is, then I stick with it and I hold it. If something dramatic has changed to the fundamentals, if you, as you alluded to, Peter, then um, you sell it. That's your sell. Um, <clears throat> and quite often, um, I, it's something that, you know, I, I invest for the long term and I've done that for my clients over many years. 
I've always been, people take profits. So people will make a profit on the, on the stocks and shares and they will, they take profits. I understand that. But I ask them the question then, why are you taking profits? And they said to me, oh, because I've made money. Okay, let's go back to why you bought the stock in the first place. Uh, oh, and they tell me it had a good balance sheet, had a good dividend, pays out. Um, they bought this other company and uh, they're going to expand and it's in the right sector. I like it still, good leader, it ticks all the boxes. Um, so you're taking profit. Okay, but your reason you bought it is still there. Uh, yes. So why are you taking profit? What are you going to do with that profit? Leave it in there. And then other people take profits and say, well, I'm a bit worried about this because the balance sheet's been a bit shaky in the last few quarters and they've made a loss. And the sector, there's been a lot of talk that the sector might be changing uh, and the news towards that sector isn't good. I said to them, so you're taking profits, but the reason you bought it has changed. Yes. Why aren't you selling it completely then? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> So it's, it goes back to your reason, goes back to your fundamentals. If your fundamentals are there, hold it. If the fundamentals have changed, sell it completely. There, there are so, there's, oh, mate, there are so many things that I want to ask you now because that <laughs> is such a point. But you mentioned something earlier that I want to ask you about. So I had a ton of people on Instagram specifically when the oil prices went nuts, like below, negative, right? I want to buy oil. I want to buy oil. And I'm like, whoa, 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 like, just hold up. Like, just because it's gone down, you need to know exactly what you're going to do. So I want to speak to opportunities that arise. So news, oil's tanked, it's in negative territory, first time in blah, blah, blah amount of years. What are the key things that people need to remember in that kind of example, specifically with oil in terms of, right, should I be piling in, in here with everybody else or should I literally just be holding fire and then seeing what happens and then make an informed decision? Because again, it comes back to impulse, negative, negative. Oh, there's got to be loads of money to make. I'm going to get in, but you don't know what you're getting into. So what are some of the key indicators in that kind of example that if you were investing for a client, you would have been looking at straight away? Taking the oil situation specifically, so there would have been a lot of people when it dropped to about $20 a barrel uh, would have been saying this is a bind opportunity. And then, you know, the next few days it dropped to negative figures. So again, they would have been saying it's a buying opportunity. Um, but they're basing that buying opportunity on because the it's dropped 80%. Mm -hmm. So it can't drop anymore. Well, it showed us that it did drop more. So mm -hmm. that's wrong. You go back to why is it dropping? Well, there was a political situation between Saudi and Russia, and no one was looking like they were going to back down. They both depend a lot e economically for their nations on oil, exporting oil, and they both wanted to damage each other's economies. It was a it was a political game by mm -hmm. politicians. You know that's that's what it boils down to. When you're seeing polit politicians getting involved in in economics and things like that, you stay clear because you don't know how far they're going to take this game because it is a game to them, you know? That's yeah, because I think I, you, you kind of get ego in there as well. But who's got the biggest proverbials, yeah. really, to be honest? But other reasons that, you know, as investors, um, it's out of our remit. You know, you look at it and you think, well, what am I basing my purchase on? I don't know what they're going to do tomorrow, these politicians. They're going to change this. They're going to go down this route, which will send the share price down further. Um, it's 
you're taking a massive chance. You're not where, where what do you base your fundamentals on? Mm. Um, mm. So what you're basically saying there is don't listen to the noise, focus on the fundamentals. Always, always forget, forget the political stuff, forget all of that other nonsense, focus on the fundamentals. Exactly. And if the, if all of this noise is clouding the fundamentals, then basically stay away from it. Yeah, it's too much risk. It's too much risk. Um, and you probably, listeners will be thinking, oh, well, you're not a risk taker. No, I, I take risks where I've measured it, you know, <laughs> yeah. the risk. And I've said, well, this is, this is a good company. I am going to put a lot of money into this stock and I'm going to keep it there for a while. That's my risk. That's, uh, you know, that's risky in the investment world, putting your, uh, putting 30% into one stock is risk. You know, that is. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that I always say to people though, right? In the investment world, you do not go and take uncalculated risks. Every risk, you, you're in the business of risk, but risk management, you're making a calculated decision. A ca- you're taking a calculated risk to get an assumed outcome. You're not just going in blindly all on red. No, you're looking at data. You're looking at research. You're looking at all of these things to decide, okay, the best way that I can make the return, given what I know across all this information that I've looked at is to do X, Y, and Z. And you professionally execute that to get the return that you hope for in the future. Whilst there are no guarantees, you do everything that you think you you need to do in order to achieve that return. Yeah, that's the smart investment. That's an actual investment. This is what people on Wall Street do. This is what people do on the London Stock Exchange. Uh, Very exciting to look at all these traders, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. But they're buying and selling for investors Mm. that invest in the long term. Uh, They're investing for the long term. Those are the ones that are surviving. Those are the ones that are earning big money uh, professionally. Um, The day traders... I think that's a bit of a lost art, to be honest with you. Um, people are realizing that the long-term investment uh, uh, profession is the way to go. And most people are doing that because they see that they can survive the recessions, they can survive the political uh, volatility that we have, because there's always something going on. Yeah. Um, the day trading is, uh, yes, there's, lo- there's lots of people that do it, but... Uh, it's more gambling in my eyes. And I think that, uh, you know, most people would agree with me. I think there, it's a very difficult game. Yeah. I think, I don't know whether there's a shift on social media coming, um, but I think that younger people have got tired of being told that they can invest money and, you know, 300 quid will turn into 10 grand in like a week or two weeks or a month. I think they're slowly coming out of that phase. And they're slowly coming to the realization that actually the long-term view, building wealth over time is what's important and not that instant gratification. And I say that because I have, I have an investment course, as you know, and going through the investment course with a ton of people over the last maybe two, three weeks, they're like, yeah, 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 I'm, I want to build for the long-term now. And that is music to my ears because that's what it's all about. We always talk about start whilst you're young. If you're in your 20s, like, start putting some money away, small amounts, often, regularly, you're going to thank yourself when you're 40 and it will hit you just like that. It will come around just like that. And you've got a portfolio of 100, 200,000 pounds, depending on how much you've invested over, over that period of time. But I think 
they're slowly coming out of that cycle of, yeah, quick money. Um, this is going to turn out and, 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 and produce income for me over a, a three month period of time. And they're understanding that they need capital to get, get themselves going and patience. I think I, that's very hopeful. Um, for someone who works in uh, investments and finances to hear that, Peter, that the young people are changing their mindset because it's very worrying in, you know, people, for people in my industry to look at young uh, people who are looking at investing and they're being fed a lot of rubbish, you know. They're being taken for a ride and that's the thing that I hate to see. And they, you know, don't, you know, I hope it's not patronising, but you know, we've all been young and we've all been taken for a ride at some point. And we just wish we could tell our younger selves, no, that, that was rubbish. They're, they're selling you a pipe dream. It's not real. And so for you to say that you're seeing younger people saying, I want to invest for the long term, that's music to my ears because that is the right way to do it. Um, yeah. seen it. I've, I've seen it time and time again. It's, it's slow and steady, patience, regular contributions you know sticking to your guns on investments and taking it taking the slow journey and all of a sudden as you said you reach the 40s you know you reach your late 30s your 40s and wow i've got so much money now i don't need to work mm-hmm. young but you know you know you're still yeah. now you don't need to work great yeah uh, that's fantastic you've done yeah. the right things yeah, that's something that I wish that I definitely learned. I was taught when I was, you know, 16, 17, to start putting money away when you get your first job and just start to build very, very slowly. So, right, last question for you then. Um, for people who may be interested in sort of, you know, doing this route or buying shares directly in companies, I had this question on Instagram. Um, what research tools would you recommend are good for a beginner? And that may be a bit of a difficult one to answer because I know that there are research tools out there that give you a ton of information and you need to be able to actually understand the information they're giving you. So are we talking um, news sources, things like that? News sources, anything at all that, you know, first time investors can use to kind of get their knowledge and to be able to do their research to inform their decision to buy uh, a share. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so there's two things here. So the in, in the investment world, you know, I, I say it as if it's like a closed shop. It's, it's not. So you need to understand the language. So read, read articles on the Financial Times. Um, there's another great website, um, Market Watch. That's, okay. another, that's a good one. Um, that's more US-based. So that is a US uh, website. Um, the Economist is 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 very good. Um, it gives you an all round view of what's happening in the world, which is very important because we're investing global markets. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing to do is, and this goes with whatever you're reading. So you start to read these things, and you don't understand what they're talking about. You don't understand a particular word. Um, research that so investopedia is quite yeah. um so you know you might read an article and it says uh corporate bonds um have risen in price okay so you maybe your first question is what is a corporate bond mm-hmm. Wikipedia, corporate bond and it'll give you 
you know, it'll, it'll talk you through what a corporate bond is. It usually gives you an example of how price movements happen. Um, and yeah, it's a long process. It's, you know, it's not an overnight process, but what you're doing there is you're building your knowledge up. So you're building your knowledge and improving your investment language through something like Investopedia. And then it's allowing you to read articles on Market Watch, on The Economist, on the Financial Times. Um, <clears throat> and that's where I would start, just building your knowledge through those things. Building. This will allow you to keep up with world news and seeing what sectors are doing well, what companies are doing well. And before you know it, you know, give it one, two years, you know, read, keep this up every day. Um, you will have you will have a very good investment knowledge to take forward. You, you'll be surprised at how much you will learn in that period of time. Excellent. Cheers for that, Terry. So what if um, people want to contact you? How do they get hold of you so I can put the links in the show notes? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, Terry Michael, um, it's our name. Uh, email address, terry.michael at klofinancialservices.com. Um, please have a chat. Yeah, always happy to. And maybe I can guide you in the right direction or maybe help you with your finances. Excellent. I appreciate it, Terry. So everybody, I hope you found that conversation interesting. I certainly did. Um, I like talking about this kind of stuff. I'm a geek in that way. Um, this kind of stuff excites me. This is my kind of like, well, I wouldn't say my bread and butter because I'm not an investment manager, but this is the stuff that I've been around for a good number of years now. And it's interesting to me. And I wish sometimes when I get questions that I could literally just dump everything that's in my head out to you guys, but it's the context and it's the information of what that basically means. That is so, so important. I've tried to lace this conversation with questions to hopefully give you a bit more of an in-depth view, at least a foundation for you to know what to look for if you are going to be using trading two one two free trade and those guys and let me just put it up there right away that may not be the best course of action for you information is 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 important knowledge is power well knowledge applied is power so i have an investment course which will take you through all of the fundamental bases you will get an understanding whether you should be doing trading two one two or whether you should just be buying a fund which is managed and diversified and it's got all these great things already going for you um, so if you're interested in that, there'll be a link in the show notes as well. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Until next week, catch you later.